Hey, this is Paul Tomko, and you're listening to episode 37 of the Anti-Aging Lifestyle. Look, you only get one shot at this thing called life. And your lifestyle, the decisions you make every day, are either making you age faster or slower. Anti-aging is my passion. My goal is to give you the tools to live a long, healthy life. And of course, make sure you look good along your journey. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to use this podcast to help find those answers so we can all live our best life. Let's get started. What is going on, guys? Today's episode is all about pets. Does owning a pet lead to a longer life? Do all pets have the same benefits? We have a lot to go over. Now, people love their pets. I mean, in the U.S. alone, over 60% of all households have pets. And while I will cover some other animals other than dogs today, most of the research that I found were about dogs. So I'm going to be talking mostly about dogs today, but I will cover a few other animals as well. Now, I've heard for years that people who own pets live longer lives, so I wanted to dig into these claims and see what the research actually said. Now, on a quick personal note, I have been a big animal lover most of my life. I mean, my sister and I grew up always wanting a dog. We thought it'd be super fun to have a dog to play with, just to go running with. But my Asian mother was was always very practical about things. She, she used to tell us uh, they're going to shed a lot. They just make a big mess. They're going to make your house smell. You have to clean up their poop. I mean, it was like very uh, logical, actually. <laughs> so that was that. We weren't allowed to get a dog. Um, while I wasn't allowed to get a dog, I was eventually allowed to get a goldfish. Now, normally, I wouldn't even have gotten a goldfish. I mean... Because I got to feed them, I have to clean their tank. Again, probably too much trouble. Luckily, when I was in second grade, my teacher at the time gave all her students a goldfish. So I got one. (laughs) And my second grade teacher, although she was very nice, uh, on the day that I got my goldfish, she made a mistake. She accidentally spaced out. And she gave all of our fish to us in a jar. And she accidentally filled my jar with hot water from the faucet. And uh, Miss Osborne was her name. And Miss Osborne quickly realized uh, her mistake. So she, you know, dumped out the water, put in cooler water. But the damage was done. My first pet, who I named Max, uh, sadly passed away later that week in the comfort of the new fish tank that we had just bought him. So (laughs) at the time, I was pretty sad, not going to lie. Luckily, my parents let my sister and I buy two more goldfish each. So I got two. I named them Tommy and Billy after two Power Rangers. For those of you that <laughs> that are uh, still remember that show when it came out, it was, it was a big part of the early 90s, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And my sister named her fish, I think like Zippy and Goldie, very creative names, I know. But yeah, other than that, we babysat a couple birds uh, for her friend ones, pet birds, not just random live birds. We helped a friend out. She had some pet birds, so we watched them for a couple days. And that was pretty much my experience with pets growing up. But since college, I moved around quite a bit. And over the course of six years and four different apartments, I ended up living with four different dogs, three different cats, 
So yeah, animals are cool. I'm a huge fan. But, 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 do they make you live longer? So let's get into this. So just to start out, let's just hit the nail on the head. Overall, dog owners are 31% less likely to die from a heart attack or a stroke than non-dog owners. So that's, I mean, that's amazing. That's, that's a huge stat right there. And these health benefits are exaggerated in people who lived alone, although adding a dog to a multi-person household. So when there's a bunch of people, you add a dog to that family, that also provided health benefits. Now, if you look at heart attack survivors who lived alone, they had a 33% reduced risk of death if they owned a dog, compared to only a 15% decreased risk if they lived with someone else, meaning a partner or a child. So that's heart attack survivors. Now, if you look at stroke survivors who live by themselves again, we saw a 27% reduced risk of death if they owned a dog compared to only a 12% decreased risk if they live with someone else. Again, partner, child, someone else. Uh, so dogs are definitely better than living by yourself. And apparently, according to these studies, even better than living with people. So uh, moving on, another big benefit of having an animal, especially a dog, is it's going to lead to more exercise. Now, most people that have a dog increase their activity level, which leads to improved fitness overall. Studies consistently show that people who walk their dogs get much more exercise than people that don't have a dog to walk. I mean, just the American Heart Association, their general guidelines are 150 minutes of moderate exercise every week for overall health. And that's going to be improving your cardiovascular health, your overall health, your mortality rate, everything. So if you're walking a dog for 20 or 30 minutes a day, that's going to help a lot of people meet that goal in a kind of fun way, in a very scheduled way. I mean, if you don't take your dog out, uh, I mean, you're not going to be skipping too many days. It's, let's just put it that way. A dog normally gets his or her way. Now, obviously, these American Heart Association recommendations are pretty low targets, in my opinion. I mean, there's a big difference between meeting a government-recommended minimum for your health and optimizing your health, which is why I always recommend a few sessions of resistance training and more intense cardio workouts, if possible. I always talk about, <laughs> I've talked about this many times, how HIIT cardio is better than low-intensity cardio, LIS cardio. So again, high intensity, ideally better than low intensity cardio. But there, of course, there are some people that cannot do HIIT cardio, mainly if you have any kind of mobility issues or for those that are weakened because of a sickness or disease. But in general, if you can't do HIIT, that's fine. Doing low intensity cardio or in general, just moving your body is infinitely better than just not moving. You got to move. You have to move your body if you want to stay healthy. Now, also keep in mind, if you're going outside for a walk to take your dog out, that also normally means that you're going to be getting some natural sunlight, getting some natural vitamin D. You're going to be decreasing your melatonin levels, increasing your serotonin, getting fresh air overall. All these things are very good for your mood and your energy levels. Another big benefit of having a, a pet is you're going to see lower stress levels. Now, again, the American Heart Association published research showing the correlation between pet ownership and lower blood pressure, even slightly lower cholesterol levels, which is amazing. Now, of course, diet and exercise are the biggest contributors to cholesterol, 
But hey, I'm going to take any boost that I can get. And researchers believed that the dogs had a calming effect on their owners, which led to the lower numbers. Now, just interacting with dogs can boost your production of hormones that are going to make you feel good and boost your overall mood. Hormones like oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine. So this means that dog owners are going to enjoy much lower rates of depression versus non-dog owners. This also closely ties into social anxiety, which is why dog owners oftentimes report less loneliness and less feelings of social isolation than those that don't have a pet. And loneliness is actually a big risk factor when you talk about Alzheimer's disease. So just another big benefit of having a pet. In fact, they found that therapy dogs, which are dogs and pets that are used specifically for therapy in nursing homes, were an extremely effective way and a treatment, actually, for patients that were suffering from loneliness and depression. And, I mean, it all makes sense in terms of the hormones that are released when you're playing with a pet and you have a pet around you. Now, we know that social interaction is a key component of health and is one of the very common aspects of communities that are known as the blue zones. Blue zones are areas of the world that have unusually high percentages of centenarians, people that live over 100 years old. So we know that social interaction is great for longevity. Well, one of the big benefits of owning a dog is the fact that you're kind of encouraged, you're forced to, in a way, to take your dog out And when you're out walking your dog, you're going to be engaging with your community, whether you're going to a park or just walking down the street. Oftentimes, you're going to be engaged with other dog owners. You're going to be saying hi to them, talking to them, chatting with them. All of these are great for your overall mental health, especially in a world where oftentimes we become more and more isolated because of social media and technology. And along those lines, keep in mind that, you know, working from home is becoming more and more common these days, especially due to the coronavirus, but even before that, just because of advancing technology. So we have to realize that there are going to be pros and cons to working from home. Yes, you're saving time on the commute, which is amazing. And of course, you're going to have more freedoms at home compared to when you're in the office in terms of comfort and your ability to do certain things that just you can't do in the office. But in terms of the potential downside of things, for more demanding jobs, you're going to find that the line the fine line between work and personal time is going to become even more blurred. And also, there's a certain camaraderie that's formed when you're seeing and catching up with your coworkers at the office all the time. And that social interaction is actually really, really healthy for human beings, for social needs, for emotional needs. So when you're stuck at home, working from home and using online conferencing software, whether it's Zoom or Skype or whatever your work is using, Having a pet with you can actually help you meet some of those connection, those connection needs that you are lacking from not going to the office anymore. I mean, to take this theme to the extreme, in the late 1970s, psychologists found in their research that elderly nursing home residents actually live longer and happier lives if they were given a house plant to take care of. Now, I mean, just, just think about this for a second. The need and desire to take care of a plant gave purpose and meaning to these people that were confined in a nursing home. I mean, that's, that just emphasizes a point. We, we human beings are, are happiest and most fulfilled when we have a purpose for our lives, when we are connecting to something other than ourselves, whether it's other people, a pet, or even a plant, as, as crazy as it sounds. I mean, the human spirit can sometimes be on the verge, on the verge of falling apart. 
Yet in a moment's notice, literally seconds later from falling apart, the human mind and following the mind, the body, can find incredible strength, determination, and even power can be created by the need to protect or defend someone else that you care about, someone other than yourself. And that can be true even just to protect the thought of someone that you love in your mind. I mean, one of my most important realizations of this occurred when I was reading uh, a book named Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of that book. It's a very well-known book. But in this book, Viktor Frankl chronicles his experiences living through different Nazi concentration camps back in World War II. And he talks extensively about the difference in mindset between those that made it, who survived the concentration camps, and those who did not. So if you ever feel sorry for yourself, if you're ever doubting your ability to continue down a a difficult path in life, when you're going down that path and you believe it's in your best interest, but you are questioning your ability to endure, uh, give that book a read. Or even better yet, listen to the book. The reader of the audiobook has a very European accent that makes the scenes of the concentration camps just much more vivid. And it is a very, very powerful audiobook. Okay, a slight sidetrack there, but back to pets again. Dogs can actually give you an immediate, almost immediate immune system boost. We already know that smiling and laughing releases chemicals in the brain that are going to boost your immune function. And pets are always doing things that make us smile. But it turns out something as simple as petting a dog can also help. A study out of Wilkes University found that petting a dog for 18 minutes led to significantly increased levels of immunoglobulin A. Immunoglobulin, also known as IgA, is one of your body's natural antibodies that protects it from invading germs. And it's not just dogs either. (laughs) I talked about dogs a lot, but it's not just dogs. A study published in the Journal of Vascular and Interventional Neurology in 2009 looked at over 4,000 people over 20 years, and they found that people that owned cats had a decreased risk of death due to heart attack or stroke. Now, in a separate study also done on 4,000 cat owners over a period of 10 years, the Minnesota Stroke Institute also saw a significant decrease in your chance of dying from heart disease. Specifically, they saw a 30% less chance to die from a heart attack, which is, that's amazing. And that's from a cat. In fact, in an experiment published in the International Journal for Anxiety, Stress, and Coping in 2003, researchers found that petting both a rabbit and petting a turtle both had very calming effects on the participants and reduced anxiety levels. Now, this particular study was trying to determine whether petting a soft and fluffy animal like a rabbit or a hard turtle shell was going to matter in terms of the stress-lowering benefits. And what they found was that it did not matter. Although, to be fair, this was also a very unique study in that the researchers decided to elicit the stress response in participants by using a large tarantula, a a huge spider. And the participants were shown this tarantula and they were told that they might have to hold the giant spider. So, I mean, keep this in mind when you think about this study. I don't know about you, but if someone pulled out a huge tarantula next to me and told me that I was going to have to hold it, I mean, I'll start petting some rabbits and turtles too, you know? So uh, just keep that in mind when thinking about this study. Uh, Keep it in perspective here. In terms of allergies, 
a study published from the Journal of Clinical and Experimental Allergy, showed that teenagers who are exposed to cats or dogs inside their home during the first year of their life were less likely to develop an allergy to fur in the future. Most likely because it just gives your your body, your immune system, something to work for from a young age, allowing your immunity to develop in a healthy way that helps prevent overreactions later on in life. Now, lastly, animals have also been shown to help individuals cope with pain. A study published in the Journal of Pain Medicine found that hospital patients reported significantly lower pain levels after spending time with therapy dogs. Now, this isn't that surprising, as you know that oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, all these beneficial hormones, these feel-good hormones are being released. So you would definitely feel less pain if you had a dog around you while you're recovering from some kind of injury, which is a huge benefit. Now, let's quickly talk about some potential cons, some potential negatives of owning a dog. Owning a dog or a pet, any kind of pet for that matter, is going to take a certain amount of dedication and work. I mean, that's a given. Happy dogs require a good amount of attention, and you need to keep them on a pretty regular feeding and walking schedule. Otherwise, they're not going to be happy. You're going to need to wash them a few times a month, obviously, depending on whether or not they have fur or hair, the length of that hair, and how often they play outside. If you're on a tight budget, also keep in mind that pet expenses can add up from basic things like food and grooming supplies and toys to more unexpected medical expenses that can easily cost several thousand dollars for dogs and even other animals. For example, horses are super, super expensive. Any kind of horse surgery. I mean, I was shocked back when I used to ride horses all the time in Virginia. I was amazed at just how much my horse trainer spent on her horse. It was It was quite a bit. Also keep in mind that cats in general are probably going to be cheaper than dogs and a lot of other animals, whether you're buying a turtle or or a rabbit or goldfish, all those options are also going to be cheaper. So that being said, if you don't want to have your own pet, if you don't want to go through, you know, the quote unquote troubles of owning your own pet, you still have some options. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I used to live with a handful of different dogs and cats over the years because of the roommates that I used to live with. Also, keep in mind that you can offer pet sitting services to your friends. You can sign up as a dog walker or a dog sitter on apps like Rover, and you can even volunteer at an animal shelter. So you have some options if you don't want to have your own pet. So in conclusion, animals do take a little bit of work, but they can provide significant health benefits, very long-lasting health benefits to yourself, to your life, to your longevity, which is amazing. So that's it for this episode. Right now we're going to roll into Tomco Tip 37, where I'm going to be talking about why having mini goals, having short-term goals are so important to achieving your overall goals in life. So let's get into that right now. Here we go. Today on Tomco Tip 37, I want to talk about why it's so important and so powerful to have short-term mini-goals as you're pursuing your long-term ambitions in life. Now, oftentimes in life, when we set out to accomplish something, something that we really care about, whether it's success in our career or our business, in our relationships, or maybe success with our finances or our health even, 
That journey can sometimes feel very, very daunting. The mountain can seem too high to climb. The goals can become almost seemingly too ambitious. So the key to success in these cases is to break down these bigger, larger goals, these sometimes seemingly insurmountable goals into mini goals, into small milestones. Now, this is a lesson that I learned from people as I grew up. I remember listening to stories of Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day, back when he was a young bodybuilder in Austria still with big dreams of coming to America. And he knew he had to build his body to the extreme. And he would do two to three hour workouts, sometimes twice a day. So how did he do those workouts? Well, he had a big blackboard in Austria and he would use little check marks. And every time he completed a full set, he would make another check mark on the board. And over the course of his entire workout, he just focused on getting that next check mark, one check mark at a time. And over the course of a few hours, he would eventually get his huge workout completed. Will Smith, as a child, uh, with his brother, had to rebuild a huge brick wall for their father. And now at the time, it seemed like an impossible task. I mean, this wall was huge. But it only seemed impossible until Will and his brother learned how to lay one brick down, each one, and just focusing on one brick at a time, focusing on making sure that each brick was laid as perfectly as a brick could be laid. And eventually, by focusing on one brick at a time, they had built the wall. Kobe Bryant, one of my favorite basketball players, RIP, Kobe, the, the legend of Kobe, oftentimes he talked about the mental struggle of how long and how intense his workouts were. For example, one time he talked about running laps around a track for his conditioning work. And he was so tired, he just would look up and question his ability to continue. So what he did was he just looked down, he looked at his feet. And Kobe put all his energy into just making sure one foot went in front of the other. Because he knew that as long as one step kept moving in front of the other, one step at a time, he was eventually going to complete his workout. So no matter what your goals are in life, focus on the small actions that you need to take to get it done. No matter how small the action, focus on getting those small things, those small steps done one by one, and you will build momentum and build confidence as you go. It's good to let the overall vision, the grand vision, guide you, but spend 95% of your time, spend most of your time achieving those small mini goals, those small wins each and every day, even by every hour. And if you keep putting in the work day after day, hour by hour, those small mini goals, and if you learn how to calm your mind and find enjoyment in those small accomplishments, one day you're going to look up and be amazed at what you created. So no matter what you're trying to achieve, just focus on one step at a time. You got this. But that's it for this episode. And until next time, thanks. Love you guys.